baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Now, I don't know if you've ever been on a plane when suddenly you heard this sound. I love flying, but I still think that sound would make me a little bit concerned if I was in a plane. I don't blame you. Take the headlines that we're looking into for this episode. A Spirit Airlines flight. They had to make an emergency landing in Philadelphia last December after being hit by lightning twice. And last month, a lightning strike on another plane in Arkansas was captured on video. It could knock out that navigation equipment. That would be a huge risk to an aircraft, even if there's not a structural problem, because the pilot would not be able to safely keep the wings level. So these stories got us wondering, how much should we be concerned about lightning striking planes that we might be in? And what exactly could it do to them? Dr. Kristen Calhoun, a research scientist at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration National Severe Storms Lab in Oklahoma, and Rhett Dunnerline, a longtime pilot and aeronautical engineer, join the show to help us figure it out. And that's Lauren Barry. She's one of our producers. I'm your host, Mike Rogers, and this is Something Offbeat. There's probably an assumption on the part of a lot of people that if you're in a plane and it gets hit by lightning, you're doomed. That's not necessarily the case. No, and it's actually surprisingly common. Most of the time, it's not a big deal other than the loud bang, flash bang you might hear. But from the statistics I've been reading, it looks like, and this is something that's been thrown around, for about every 3,000 plus flight hours, so a commercial aircraft is struck maybe on average once a year that happens for every commercial aircraft flying is the statistics I've seen. The FAA has a few regulations when it happens. They have to do checkouts of the kind of all the electrical systems when they get back to landing. But most of the time, it's not actually a problem at all, other than, you know, being kind of like a sudden scare for people probably at the time. But yeah, there are all sorts of systems and checks in place for that kind of activity. Apart from checks that are part of the aircraft itself, I asked Dennerline what sort of checks pilots have in place to handle severe weather. So I've been flying since 1986. Uh, I learned at Purdue University, and I graduated from there with a degree in aeronautical and astronautical engineering. And then I got my pilot's license. How do you as a pilot prepare for that possibility of lightning in particular? It's got to be covered in training, I would think. It is, but it, it's not covered in the sense, here's what you do if you get struck by lightning. It's, it's mostly covered by avoidance. And this applies to airline transport pilots as well, you know, who fly the big airlines. The goal is to avoid areas where you're going to get struck by lightning. And it's not that common of an experience. They're associated with thunderstorms. So that's where lightning is going to come from. And part of your pilot training, whether you're a private pilot or you're an airline transport pilot, is to avoid thunderstorms by a certain distance to not get into that area. But lightning strikes do happen. What reason would a pilot have for taking that chance and just plowing right in there? Is it all about we got to get there on time? Well, there is. It does happen because 
for general aviation, for example, there's this notion of get home itis or I've got to be to a meeting, et cetera. And there is the occasional pilot who will take a risk and try and get too close to an area of a thunderstorm or go through a thunderstorm area. And that is where you'll encounter severe to extreme turbulence and it can break up your aircraft or upset it in a way where it will cause it to break up through a spiral or what have you. But if you inadvertently fly into an area of a thunderstorm, for whatever reason, not that you intentionally wanted to go through it, there is a recommended procedure for dealing with that. And that's basically to fly straight through and hold your, the attitude of the aircraft, not its altitude. So the altitude of the aircraft could be going up and down, the airspeed could be changing from low to high. And the whole goal is to keep the aircraft wings level and penetrate the storm and get out the other side. There's a reason why airplanes move through the sky, mostly unbothered by lightning. It's called a Faraday cage, an enclosure that blocks electromagnetic fields. Scientist Michael Faraday invented them in 1836. And here's how they work. If you're inside a metal area, the lightning, and this is the same if you're in your car. This is why we say the car is a really safe place to be in during a thunderstorm in terms of safety for lightning. Um, because it'll attach somewhere, usually a taller kind of antenna or somewhere on a car. Uh, for planes, it's going to be an outer wingtip or one of the ends is usually where it happens. And the electricity from the lightning will basically travel and follow the metal around your car or the, for the plane, for instance, around the outside, and it doesn't travel inside. Now, you don't want to be sticking your hand and attach yourself to the metal cage, right? Because that would cause you to also have a connection to it. But it follows that and just moves on out. So in the case of a plane, basically what happens is a lot of times it'll just be part of the leader channel. It'll connect and go through on the outer side of the plane and then just go back out through the cloud. It's not like the end point of the lightning. That Faraday cage makes planes pretty safe from lightning. However, cases where it wasn't, I think there were like three or four incidents in the 60s and 70s where they just had faulty wiring and like a spark jumped a gap that was near a fuel cell. So I think there was a 707 or something in the 60s that had a problem, um, but they are very rare. And FAA got all over fixing those problems as soon as those first reports were happening. And now even with composite planes, there's special kind of fibers in the composite that allow for kind of the lightning to travel along the outside and keep things absolutely safe. And they've done additional reinforcement around fuel cells just for that. I don't want to be a downer, but I think we should talk a bit about those cases where lightning did become dangerous for planes. Well, womp womp. All right, fine. Go ahead. So in December 1963, Flight 214 crashed in Maryland with 73 passengers and a crew of eight. It had been struck by lightning apparently multiple times, and witnesses said it was on fire after it was hit. So what made that flight different? According to the Federal Aviation Administration, quite a few things. It said there was inadequate protection of the fuel tank, inadequate skin thickness, and more. That incident led to research and policy changes. But that's not the only time that lightning striking a plane became deadly. There's a 1968 incident involving a Braniff flight in Texas. 80 passengers and five crew members died after the pilot flew into a heavy storm. And there were a few others, including the 1971 crash of Lanza Flight 508 in the Amazon rainforest. Only one person survived, a then 17-year-old girl who was stranded in the forest for 11 days. 
most lightning related plane incidents today result in an emergency landing rather than an actual crash. Yeah, but what do you do if there's nowhere to land? Because I was thinking about this earlier this year, I was on a flight back from New Zealand. We hit some rough weather over the Pacific and out there, what are you going to do? The pilot just plowed on ahead and that was a very bouncy 10 hours. You know, that's a good point, Mike, because lightning may catch our attention, but the chances of getting struck by lightning are just one in a million, according to the CDC. Well, Calhoun also said that it isn't always the most threatening part of a storm, at least for airplanes. So my research is focused on kind of lightning detection, knowing when and where it happens, and then relating that to the meteorology, so the storms that produce the lightning, and seeing if we can learn anything about storms, so storm strength, storm intensity, if there's likelihood of severe weather like hail or tornado with a storm, it all actually connects back to the lightning. In the central plains of the U.S., we get a type of storm called a supercell thunderstorm. And these are really large and powerful storms that have a rotating updraft. And that deal with the updraft is it kind of maintains itself. And so when you get a strong storm like that, that can self-maintain, and you're getting lots of hydrometeors, lots of ice particles colliding over and over and over again, that produces a lot of lightning. And especially when you have areas of turbulence, what happens are opposite polarity charged, so positive charged areas are going to be right next to negative charged areas. And they'll, where those are next to each other, that's where the electric field is maximized. And that's where you get lightning. So planes want to stay away from these storms just because of the turbulence. But also lightning is reflective of those areas of high turbulence, too, within storms. It almost sounds like if you're in a plane, it, it, turbulence would almost be a bigger threat than the lightning. Yes. And that's generally why the, uh, more so than the lightning. But that's mostly why they're trying to avoid these bigger storms is because when you have storms or have any kind of updraft, um, so you have kind of cumulus clouds growing, if you look out your window and see that, you're probably going to have turbulence around you. And that's just very unpleasant for passengers in a commercial aircraft. Clouds indicative, indicative of rising air and uh, almost all turbulence below let's say 15,000 feet is associated with some sort of cloud formation. And above that level, you might have what's called clear air turbulence. You could also have the other type of turbulence, but uh, where there's no cloud uh, coverage, you'll have what's called clear air turbulence. Dennerline is pretty used to it by now, though, because he flies a lot. So I fly primarily for myself, uh, although I am a commercial pilot. Uh, I commute between Chicago and uh, the home where I grew up down in Indiana. But I also fly for the uh, U.S. Coast Guard Auxiliary as an aircraft commander uh, to do patrols for environmental assessments along the lakeshore and search and rescue type things like that. As a pilot who, who has flown many planes over the years, over the decades, what is the, uh, for lack of a better phrase, the most butt-clenching moment that you've ever experienced, the most <laughs> frightened that you've ever been? Actually flying in and out of the airport here in Chicago, the executive airport, which used to be called Milwaukee, you can get a lot of severe turbulence weather near the lake. And uh, I've been in situations where the winds have been so strong that coming into land, you literally have the control yoke is being grabbed out of your hand while you're trying to land the aircraft. And when you're at altitude, that's not such, that's just disconcerting. But when you're trying to land, you want to get that aircraft lined up on the piece of pavement and on the ground safely. And so I've had situations all within the last five or six years where the turbulence is literally trying to grab the yoke out of your hand is what it feels like. And that's disconcerting because you, you need that yoke to control the airplane. 
What do you do in a situation like that? Uh, you keep your wits about you because the biggest problem when you're in a situation like that where you feel like you're being overwhelmed with weather is for you to fear to overtake your brain. So you've got to stick with your, like they say, your training and your focusing on flying the airplane and getting it on, in this instance, landing it and getting it on the ground. But if you panic, I could see that affecting a pilot. So it goes back to your training and just flying the aircraft as best you can. And, and in this instance, landing uh, in this turbulence. What's the most important thing for passengers to know in flying through some turbulent weather? Uh, Seatbelts. And if you're flying in any aircraft where the pilot or the crew tells you that there is turbulence or you even if you sense a bump whenever i'm flying commercially if i sense a bump i make sure my seatbelt's not only on i always keep my seatbelt on unless i'm getting up i make sure it's tight because there if you, you feel one bump you could soon thereafter uh, have some extreme turbulence that could literally knock you um, to the ceiling of the aircraft and you could have a severe injury so you got to keep your seatbelt on I'm Mike Rogers. Thanks for listening to Something Offbeat. This episode written and produced by Lauren Barry and Chris Blake with audio editing and original music by Myron Kaplan and editorial support from Cooper Mall. Now to keep listening, please subscribe to us on the Odyssey app or Spotify or Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, please share any offbeat stories that you might have because we'd love to hear about them. Send them to us at something offbeat at Odyssey. That's A U D A C Y dot com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app, the biggest sports radio stations in the country, providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives, streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.